I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Welcome back to yet another episode of All Things Policy. I am Rudraj Govaikar, and today we are going to talk about online activism uh, in China. Now, civil society or civil movements are an important part of any country. especially in democracies uh, they can act as intermediate feedback until the next election cycle now such movements have helped shape the public discourse uh, even rebel legislations in different countries and in different time periods but when we think of civil society civil movements we generally think of you know so called western liberal democracies and in certain democracies civil movements and the right to protest are you know vetted into constitution or the political fabric or societal fabric itself but to think of civil societies and civil movements under authoritarian regimes is uh, slightly different and that's why today's topic where we are going to discuss a civil society to a smaller extent but online activism to a greater extent is very interesting to me personally as well to uh, sort of spearhead this conversation uh, today i have mega party with me uh, she's a researcher attached uh, to the china studies subgroup at the takshila institution and along with mekha i have arjun gaya who will also join us in the conversation so as i uh, said uh, before we dive into the main topic that is online activism in china i wanted to ask mekha uh, about a general state of civil society in china how 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 does the civil society exist in china how is it different than liberal democracies i'm pretty sure it, it won't be as open Uh, and i'm also very curious to know that are there ngos that sort of take up various issues or is it very diffused and sort of an underground movement compared to other uh, civil societies so yes mega can you tell me about this hello uh, thank you first of all yeah civil societies do exist in china and they have existed for a very long time actually but uh, the nature is as you said is very uh, different from what we see in liberal democracies i mean for example there are ngos but many ngos are actually government funded and there are also foreign ngos and the domestic and actually there there is an estimate uh, it, the estimate differs based on the researcher but there are at least uh, 7000 to 8000 different different ngos including foreign and domestic but here is the thing though whenever we uh, see a discussion on civil society in china and general authoritarian regime in general there is this tendency to just you know categorize people as either you know revolutionaries or you know or oppressed but this approach has been criticized a lot by a lot of other scholars for example uh, this professor jin wong she is founder and director of mit new media action lab she says that the civil society and chinese people in general prefer an incremental approach to any change rather than you know just erupting into protests so she says there is this gray area where uh, chinese society and civil society in general operates and uh, she also says that the confrontational activities are in general not appreciated in chinese society as you know philosophy or way of life they there is this tendency that powerful people should not you know lose face 
and it's not considered good so uh, there's also word for that it's called uh, it means uh, silent forbearance so you know you have to be silent and uh, then you have to probably you criticize or whatever actions you do you you do, you do that in private not in public so this is very rooted in chinese culture as per professor ching so many people don't even realize it consciously actually that they are doing that this or they are practicing this philosophy or you know way of engaging with the civil society and there is also great literature which uh, you know somehow uh, analyzes the relation between state and society there is elizabeth perry there is mark selden peter hesgrace and carolyn zu from so literature is you know very much there interesting uh, i didn't realize that the whole chinese society looks at it almost using stoic as well as like principles of stoic to not to complain very interesting so as our topic today is you know online activism but i am i am assuming that before online platforms became chinese civil society did exist and they did have certain movements offline this is like even before technology was available so can you briefly just talk about that era yes so you see online what will happens online is a reflection of offline activities or feelings so even before the era of online activism there was this dif- whole different sect of civil society which engaged in trade unions events organization environmental groups and they exist even today there are a lot of non governmental organization uh, for example is all china women's federation it's still there even though it is a you know act, it acts as an ngo also as a government organ then there's a china youth development foundation then there's china foundation for perpetual poverty elevation so civil societies like offline do exist and they are very vibrant actually and there are also this case of you know cellular localized cellular activism for example uh, people probably are not part of any ngos or anything but if they found, find anything you know to not their taste they will just protest locally or uh, complain to their local government so there are also cases of that interesting so uh, as you suggested uh, and uh, as you mentioned rather that uh, there has is a very decent history of civil movements in china but what we increasingly uh, see I, and you're tracking these uh, events to a certain extent that uh, many of these movements are now moving online um, but as we all know you know china famously you know monitors its internet and the activity of its citizens so how do uh, average chinese citizen who wants to take up a issue go about on organizing things or connecting with other people who might have similar ideas or to even start a conversation online yeah so this one uh, which probably everybody knows it's using vpn so use vpn and then you can bypass certain uh, categories of you know restricted keywords and things but even then uh, chinese uh, state has tried to you know uh, regulate vpns and uh, related technology controls too so what people have done are they have come with innovative techniques to you know uh, carry on the discussion so they'll use indirect references for example code names for leaders and code names of concepts so there is this uh, meme type thing like they call it actually agao they call it which roughly translates into spoof or memes so they use that then they use uh, 
tools which are already available like for example platform like github so they use that to you know carry on the conversation inwardly they'll probably make a project on github and then you know try to deposit things there or uh, uh, they'll uh, convert the sensitive documents into something else using morse code or something so they do that and it's it's very interesting actually to you know read examples and you know monitor that and read it yourself I just have a quick follow up before Arjun has a question. So I recently read that the chat boxes of very popular multiplayer online games were being used by certain other groups, not in China but in in Europe, uh, to coordinate activities. Because generally these these groups, are, these chat functions in online multiplayer games are not generally monitored by government. Is, is there any evidence that you have come across where? maybe gaming sites or gaming portals were used to communicate between chinese uh, citizens citizenry who were involved later than into organizing maybe a protest or a certain movement so i haven't uh, personally been part of your, or monitored any gaming activity as i'm not uh, into gaming that much but i have read reports that during hong kong protests and also during you know, some feminist groups use these kind of uh, platforms just to you know circumvent uh, the censors and also to be in touch with the uh, diaspora abroad or you know carry activity abroad hey mega so i wanted to ask you so- something very uh, interesting about organizations in china so are there any specific organizations that advocate for the free and fair use of the internet or social media so we have something like uh, internet freedom foundation in india right so that's uh, an ngo which conducts advocacy on digital rights and liberties they file petitions and undertakes uh, campaigns for uh, defending online freedom and all that stuff so is there something like that in china which we can expect or are there people who are working towards doing this are there like independent petitioners or litigators who take up these issues like online freedom uh, privacy rights and all that stuff and uh, then go go ahead and you know file petitions against the government i mean it is an authoritarian regime but people can still do that right so freedom of expression is actually very sensitive topic in china i mean there are organizations like amnesty and probably oxfam which is based in hong kong i guess so uh, this in general uh, talk about freedom of expression and speech i haven't come across any petition regarding uh, like as you mentioned in question but then again there are individual uh, activists activists and you know some projects which do advocate this for example there is a jitap project called terminus 2049 which i talk about it this later but yeah this project does try to you know collect all the censored articles or uh, censored media which is not allowed in china and they try to deposit it on jitap so that is for, and their motto is to you know preserve the freedom of expression Uh, let's take a short break and we'll be back soon. Welcome back. Uh, now let's continue our discussion about online activism in China. I know before the break we briefly discussed about the history of civil society in China before uh, online activism became uh, a sort of the mainstay and what tricks are used by 
Chinese citizenry to circumnavigate, uh, you know, the Chinese surveillance. So building on that conversation, I am very curious to ask Mega, how does a typical campaign start? I'm pretty sure it starts in a diffused manner and then it picks up pace and maybe even it leads to a, a, a presence on ground. But I'm very curious that how does it actually happen and do we know any famous instances of a successful uh, movement at such? Yeah, so this is actually uh, the most interesting part of what I was tracking. What happens is online campaigns are actually, uh, we can categorize in there either organized or spontaneous. So organized, and Arjun, you will love this. Tech giants like Tencent and Weibo do uh, used to hold this type of campaigns. They're, they had uh, everybody's a philanthropist or micro charities. So these giants used to have this annual functions, uh, annual, I wouldn't call it functions, but yeah, annual events, which uh, would uh, encourage people to, you know, donate to a charity or their favorite charity or sponsored charity, or they would collect money and then donate it to some charity. So these kind of events. And uh, the spontaneous ones are like, you know, spontaneous. For example, something happens and uh, when somebody posts something and it just, you know, connects with the larger audience and then it snowballs into something different. Perhaps the best example, recent example of this would be this thumping or lying flat phenomenon, which is very popular, which has become very popular. So that started with one of the, you know, forums where a user posted that, you know, lying flat is just it because uh, there is nothing to do. And there's so much pressure that uh, my philosophy to, you know, navigate through this life is I'll just lie flat and do nothing. So that resonated with a lot of people. And there was already, you know, a lot of pressure. There's a dichotomy that some people have a lot of pressure and you know, pressure to prove, do something in life. And there are other people who are not finding enough work and do anything. So it kind of snowballed and it was so uh, big that there are t-shirts being printed, then newspaper articles being written about it. It has also gained a lot of international recognition. And this combined with some other activities has also, you know, motivated state to do something about it. So this is a very good example. Going back to this organized things, so there are also social media influencers and social activists who arrange campaigns like this or they raise an issue, whatever the choice of their issue is, and then they kind of engage with people. Since they have a lot of following, they get a lot of you know views. So this is like typical uh, how a social media ecosystem works, uh, even outside China. But the difference is that the innovative way in which they do. For example, if some moment becomes too popular and state doesn't like it, there is a possibility of sanction. Even the thumping flat, which I mentioned, is many of the keywords of this were censored by China's government because they didn't like the narrative getting negative online. I just want to clarify uh, one thing. So the lying flat campaign was not directed against a particular policy or particular government initiative. It was just uh, citizens expressing their anger or discontent towards general quality of life or the pressures in modern day China, right? I am a bit confused about that. Yes, yes. So this lying flat movement was not against any authority or, you know, in general policy, but this was about the general social construct or, you know, how the society has become, how the social conditions have become, or especially discontent among millennials about the quality of life. 
that's why it became probably more popular i guess yeah yeah understood uh now when you were talking about this you mentioned that it could be the these movements could be organized it could be disorganized and spontaneous and you also mentioned social media influencers now i my brain sort of connected the social you know merit a social credit system and a social media influencer so what i want to ask is are there any chances that you know if a particular social media influencer is getting too famous or is really stirring up the pot do we know that the social credit has been used to you know counter them or or have you come out come across any frameworks that talk about using the social credit system to uh, keep a tab on online activists uh, so social credit system itself creation is a very you know concept is very unpopular unpopular in outside but uh, yeah social credit system what it does is it uh, it encourages people to to spy on each other i mean uh, you have to rate people and their credit scores are it's not just credit scores actually however they behave then you will be rated for example you rutraj i feel we work together and if you feel i feel like okay your behavior is not up to the social conduct i'll rate you i'll downgrade you i'll downgrade you and if enough people around you around you do that your uh, ability to take loans for example or fly out of the city might get affected so this is itself you so if i know your social handle and what you're doing online or if you are you know spewing nonsense against the government online which i feel is not good i can you know report you so that type of thing is very you know dystopian i might say but it also enc- uh, you know encourages people to self censor that's why it's why you know it hampers the discussion but then again if your online identity is not revealed to your group or you know other people that you might be safe but apart from that also there are lot the social uh, that as in social credit system there have been lot of instances where uh, state has tried to you know guide the internet towards the becoming a more civilized space and even the recent uh, guidelines which were released in september which talk about the construction of you know internet civilization or network civilization there is this uh, emphasis on uh, create uh, inculcating socialist marxist teaching and you know building your digital uh, space based on that and then there is this case of homao or you know 50 cent trolls which will be attacking you not you as in anyone who is not seen nationalist enough to you know either troll them or uh, you know attack your opinions or anything so these kind of things act as you know inhibitor to uh, freedom of expression online or do an online activism or engage with any political or seemingly political content a, a quick follow up was there any uh, opposition to implementation of the social credit system as far as i know i mean it's it's not it hasn't been implemented across all the regions of china the, the implementation is very patchy do we have any instances where things were not rolled out because of resistance or especially online resistance to this system per se there was some flutter but there are also reports of this system being implemented smoothly and uh, now i have tracked mostly the uh, positive and uh, implemented instances so i haven't looked at the negative or in the resistance part of this but uh, then again uh, most of the policies which come from you know 
central uh, committee they are always implemented so you know there's no question regarding that if this will be implemented or not okay mega uh, so let's uh, move on to the last question and what i wanted to ask was that can you elucidate uh, on some instance uh, where social media activism uh, sort of you know led to a ground change that actually helped push back a policy or it brought a new policy and how during such during such a instance what were the innovative methods uh, used by netizens i mean they could have been technology platforms or just novel use of existing technology platforms uh, i am really curious about this yeah so there are lot of examples actually and uh, i'll suggest people who are more curious about this to read uh, miss jane wong's uh, book other other digital china but yeah the most recent example and best probably the best would be the 996.icu project on jeta so this was started by some soft anonymous software developers probably uh, a few years ago uh, 996.icu is a website used on like hosted on jethub uh, which is a software development platform and it is not traditionally used for projects like this it was used to uh, collect data on uh, chinese uh, technology companies which make you work from 9 am to uh, 9 pm six days a week so that is why 996 and dot icu because uh, you know it's a humorous play that if you work so much then you'll just you know go directly to icu so it was a you know little dark humor kind of thing so what this project does is uh, they make a blacklist of all companies which follow this practice either uh, you know overtly or covertly and they also have a white list of companies and they encourage uh, all the you know tech workers or uh, developers and engineers or even other workers who work for this technology giants to come and share their experiences or uh, write more or you know basically expose the uh, this system which is which they don't find you know Yeah, good. So what happened was uh, in I guess in 2020 around November December there are few incidences of people dying uh, due to this overwork conditions. Suddenly this project regained popularity and people became very interested and in, you know their protest online protest was huge outcry online and then combined with this lying flat thing it became you know spiraled. so state obviously become worried of the discontent that was being poured online and also the international attention this uh, moment was getting so in august 2021 supreme court declared this 996 practice illegal and uh, the ministry of human resources and social security with supreme court also joined a statement there was also criticism of this practice by state you know leaders or local leaders then uh, this is like one of those moments which i feel that this is like proper example of something activism starting online and then its effect uh, being uh, produced on offline oh very interesting i had heard of the 99 uh, movement but i didn't know that it actually went off all the way to supreme court and it brought some change on that note i will like to end this podcast thank you amnika thank you arjun for this interesting discussion on activism in china thanks yeah thank you so much rudraj and thank you so much arjun also if you are in more interested in more in knowing about this then you should definitely read gobin yong's work and also this young hong's work 
they are fantastic the books illustrate a lot of examples which i didn't mention couldn't mention here uh, or for the regarding all the questions you asked uh, those are excellent if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can tune into them on the ivm podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts you can also follow ivm on social media the handle is at @ivmpodcasts on twitter facebook and instagram and hey if you'd like to dive into takshashila's research on technology strategy and economic affairs check us out at our twitter handle at @takshashila_inst or our website takshashila.org.in